Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Shri Janmastami Mahamotsva ki jai. Gaur Premanandi. Evening everyone. Welcome. Actually our festival starts tomorrow. So, pays off to come early, it seems. We had a nice discussion uh, yesterday evening, for those of you who just came today, um, led by uh, Babru um, from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And uh, that... Um, along the theme of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, more or less. This is an important uh, philosophical cornerstone for the uh, our for our tradition, our Sampradaya, said to be the this, uh, this statement said to be the key, the password. Hmm? to uh, entering into the mystery of the uh, philosophical underpinning, the, the, I want to say the philosophical canvas on which the art of Krishna Leela is drawn and the art or the drama is performed, the stage on which the drama is performed. <coughs> so, there are many candidates out there for God. <laughs> As some are worthy, more worthy of consideration than others, <laughs> obviously. And uh, in one sense, the point of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is that is the worthiness of, of, of Krishna with this uh, regard to this. <coughs> Excuse me. So, continuing in that vein, we'll lecture tonight um, from Gopal Tapani Upanishad. Tomorrow morning, just to give you the schedule, we'll have a a class centered around the um, sannyasa initiation. And then in the evening, throughout the evening, we'll be reading um, from, and discussing from Gopal Champu with regard to the, the, the leela of Krishna's birth. And then um, I'll be giving a class following this theme from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, first verse of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So, theme again. It's Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And <clears throat> it comes up in this uh, text, Gopal Tapani. Let me read the first verse, and uh, first verse, uh, Sanskrit and the translation, and then we'll talk a little bit about the book and how it comes up and the significance of the verse under discussion. Satchitananda Rupaya, Krishna Yaklishta Karine, Namo Vedanta. Vedyaya Gurave Bodhisakshine. I offer my obeisances, my pranam, my deepest and heartfelt uh, respects to Krishna, the form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss, whose every act is wonderful, who is the object of knowledge identified by the Vedanta and who is the guru, witness, present in the intelligence. Sri Gopal Tapani Kijai. So Gopal uh, Tapani Upanishad is one of the 
principal Upanishads, one of the 108 well-known Upanishads. <clears throat> and um, these Upanishads are the earliest form of revelation. And the, the sutras, the Vedanta sutras, which seek to make sense out of all the Upanishads and show their concordance, their uh, how they're all... Um, leading to a central uh, emph- central emphasis, uh, uh, unified emphasis. The sutras which uh, do this uh, is the first really form of theology in, in the world. Hmm? Later on in the West it was done with regard to the Bible and Christianity, maybe beginning with Aquinas, I think. And... Um, and uh, the Catholic school of theology and was was spawned therein. So, a body of revealed uh, texts that need some sorting out and understanding, uh, given that they speak about uncommon knowledge to begin with, such that even people who are interested in uncommon knowledge uh, require some... Uh, explanation of them. So, <clears throat> Upanishads, at any rate, are such. Upanishad, uh, it, it means an esoteric doctrine that speaks about the nature of God. Um, the word also implies this by way of its meaning. Upanishad means to sit close. Sit close. The implication of which is that I might whisper something into your ear that come close. I want to sit now, let me say something to you that it's not for everybody to hear. Not for everybody to hear because not everybody's interested. And as it said in another tradition of revelation referred to earlier, one should not throw pearls before the swine. Hmm? So it requires some eligibility, if you will, some level of interest in order that it be appreciated and if it's uh, shared outside of that kind of circle then um, not only will it not be appreciated but it's not recommended that should not be done hmm? uh, let the text be honored let, for let them be spoken and recited in a circle and assembly of those who have some eligibility for for that um, those who are not satisfied with the common fare of uh, uh, news and and uh, what life is generally thought to be about. This is about the more that we sense life should be about. We try to find in different ways and so forth and how to actually find that more, that more that is you and the more that there is to you. What is your source and and uh, what what possibilities lie in connecting with that source and so forth. Um, So very interesting subject. And um, this is what the Upanishads deal with. They deal with it from different angles of vision such that they appear to be um, even uh, perhaps opposed to one another, thus the necessity of the sutras to sort them all out and show the concordance. 
highlighting that, I suppose, is the point that this is a Vaishnav Upanishad. So that means there are Upanishads that are not considered Vaishnav Upanishads. Hmm? Nonetheless, the Vaishnavas have a way of turning everything into a Vaishnav Upanishad, <laughs> more or less, or letting, uh, seeing why it may be uh, the nature of reality may be spoken about uh, differently, as if different than the Vaishnav and the devotional uh, conclusion, only for the purpose of supporting the devotional conclusion and so on and so forth. But anyway, this is overtly a Vaishnav. Upanishad. So it's very much celebrated amongst the Vaishnavas. It's a Tapani Upanishad, of which there are a few. There's Ram Tapani, there's the Nishingha Tapani, there's the Gopal Tapani, this is the Gopal Tapani. There might be maybe one other one, but those are the those are the prominent uh, three. And uh, Tapani Tapani means Tapaniya. It means it means gold in one sense. Hmm? Gold and the and the and it, it tapa also means some pain, some voluntary acceptance of pain, which we might feel, for example, in sacrifice hmm? uh, for a higher purpose, foregoing perhaps we could say the enduring the pain of foregoing immediate gratification for the sake of a more enduring idea of uh, self and self-satisfaction. <laughs> this kind of pain, it's, it's, that, it's a kind of a heat. So if you take heat to gold, this is how you purify the gold. You heat the gold, it becomes molten, and any other elements are sorted out thereby. So the Upanishad implies uh, the Tapani term here, uh, the, that, that the text will be about that heating and uh, painful um, uh, and, and uh, thoughtful. Hmm? I said before that if we voluntarily accept some pain, like the pain of sacrifice, and foregoing immediate um, sense pleasure, for example, the uh, result of that is, is is inward inward movement and with inward movement more thoughtfulness about uh, the bigger picture and so forth. So knowledge. So top also in this sense means knowledge. Sacrifice means means knowledge as much as if you're going to sacrifice in, in pursuit of enduring life and happiness. You're going to sacrifice the pursuit of things that are not enduring, which we might be attracted to but which are a dead end in terms of our pursuit. So, so the, anyway, the tapani hmm, term here means that to accept some heat, um, to accept some pain, to, um, uh, with, uh, with thoughtfulness and, and knowledge, to, uh, to melt the heart, hmm, turn it into like molten gold. Uh, this is also, interestingly enough, how in, in some places, prem, which is the prayogen of our tradition, the goal of our tradition, love, which, which, within which is included salvation or liberation, mukti, and is thought of to be um, a secondary thing. Hmm? 
as much as it's the preoccupation of, of many others in, in spiritual pursuit to get free from the sufferings of material life and uh, the constraints of material existence and so forth. The, pre- the, the preogen here is prem, and prem includes that within it, but obviously it's much more, and it constitutes a melting of the heart. And that melting is sometimes compared to molten gold. So it's a very nice title here in terms of how it fits well with uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, both in terms of the word tapani hmm, and in terms of gopal. Gopal means, of course, the, the go. Go means cow, and pal means protector. So, the protector of cows. Mm-hmm. This, of course, is another name for Krishna, a very descriptive name of Krishna, <coughs> who is addressed here in the first verse by the name Krishna. So, Krishna and Gopal, these are the same person, and that's interesting. Because uh, when we speak about Krishna as the fountainhead of divinity, the very heart of divinity, hmm? uh, and then we look and we uh, refer to him by the name Gopal, a cow protector, it seems somewhat uh, contradictory. Hmm? The source of all being and all uh, knowledge and eternity and um, all forms of divinity and so on and so forth is um, a cow herder. It, if you've ever been to India and um, gone to the cow herding villages and so forth where the houses are made out of the dung of cows, <laughs> it's a very simple and rural a life that does not uh, inspire a sense of majesty and power and opulence and force and uh, the source of everything and so on and so forth. But as we'll see, hopefully as we discuss, it's a very uh, appropriate depiction and indeed experience of the mystics that the source of divinity is a cowherd. It makes a lot of sense if you look very carefully at it. Hmm? very closely at it. <clears throat> Some explanation is required. So, at any rate, um, here in our first verse, we hear Satchitananurupaya, Krishna. Hmm? Uh, uh, the verse says, um, which is something that's echoed in the Brahma Samhita, also a text we have been discussing in, in recent times, in my trip to Europe, Satchitananurupaya, hmm? Satchitananda Bigraha, it is said there. They're the same thing. Uh, the uh, Shruti Devi, the Prabodhananda Saraswati, one of the principal commentators on this Upanishad, Gaudiya commentator, he has attributed the text uh, to Shruti Devi, the goddess of the Shruti, the goddess of the Upanishad, the goddess of the, of the uh, divine sound. Hmm? So she says here, Obeisances, respect, my pranam to Krishna, who Satchitanandarupaya, who is the form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. <clears throat> it's a little hard for us, perhaps, to think of a form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. We tend to think of eternity, if at all, and knowledge and bliss is in a more of a formless sense, I, I would think. Um, and so to make the case 
that there can be a form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss is perhaps a little difficult given our sensibilities, orientation, and so forth in material life and in industrial life, perhaps uh, scientifically, uh, if you will, informed life in particular. Hmm? But then again, if we look at the scientifically uh, informed position on the world, we find there are no hard bodies out there. <laughs> Actually, that was an older view, that there were hard bodies out there. Um, no, there are potentialities, and, uh, and uh, it's, 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 uh, the world isn't made as, as we thought of things that you can really grab onto. That's an appearance only. So the very forms that we experience and we think um, are something to, tangible to, to hold on to and so forth. From a scientific perspective even, they're not such. Hmm? I'm sure you're informed to some extent. I won't go into the detail of, of uh, the latest in quantum you know, theory and whatnot on, on this, what the world of matter is like. Uh, uh, so, but it's, it has turned uh, uh, those who looked at it heads upside down hmm? and there's there's nothing out there that's like like it looks <laughs> it's different than it looks and of course this is what the Vedanta says as well hmm? that uh, it's it's um, those forms are here today gone tomorrow they're like a dream they last a little longer than your dream at night hmm? therefore we give them a little more credibility but from the larger perspective only for a few moments hmm? Only for a few breaths. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. And changing for that matter, as the Gita says, even within this life, in ways that are very considerable. The Gita gives a nice example. Basamsi Janani Yatabihaya, like this. Uh, well, that's changing bodies, but uh, another one he says, Dehinosmindata Dehi Kumaram Yovanam Jaratata. Dehantara Praptir. One who's a scientist, says, Adira, objective person, he or she um, uh, is, is, observes the fact that these bodies, these forms that we find ourselves identified with, and so they, they're changing, they're constantly changing. It gives a simple example, Komaram Yovanam Jara, from childhood to youth to old age. They're in a state of flux state of transformation, the measure to which they are. I mean, we could write another Gita verse today with, you know, play that out, and they are very much in transformation <laughs> uh, to the extent that they're there, as I say, tangibly, to, you know, at all, really, is, 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 is very questionable. Hmm? Um, by contrast, of course, um, the, the form of Krishna um, undergoes no such transformation. That is what is meant in a basic sense, by the word sat here, sat. Sat means uh, that real, hmm? and real in this sense means enduring. Hmm? Um, we like to say that about consciousness in general, in comparison to the forms and shapes of matter, uh, matter that takes shape that matter under the influence of consciousness. Hmm? Those forms, as I'm saying, they're constantly undergoing transformation. Hmm? That which is 
causing the transformation, if you will, and animating matter is a constant. Hmm? As I've many times labored to, uh, to explain with, with logic and scriptural reasoning, consciousness cannot be reduced to matter. That is not a very reasonable proposal. We may be driven to think that it must be hmm? for any number of reasons uh, that people are. Hmm? Um, perhaps one of the, the main reasons is because mm, persons feel that they've understood the world pretty well hmm, and how it works. And um, to have something that is not reducible to matter, to a material or a physical force and so forth that has an influence, they can't find a place for it. Of course, they can't measure it, they can't see it, they can't observe it. Um, and so they, but they have to recognize it at this point, consciousness, but they want to make it into, somehow turn and demonstrate that it's just, it's just matter, and therefore it doesn't really matter, so to speak. But uh, this is not a very reasonable um, proposal, and of course it hasn't been demonstrated. Um, and indeed we have every reason, for that matter, to believe that, it, that it's, very, it's entirely different from matter, and therefore, why should we think that it should be re- reduced to matter? The, 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 the two questions you have to ask, which are more pressing. Hmm? One question is, how, if consciousness is supernatural and not of the natural world, hmm, um, and therefore has an influence on and has and has an influence on the natural world, why can't we measure it? That's one question that seems to really bother people. Hmm? The other question is, hmm, if consciousness can be reduced to matter, um, then what matters? Nothing matters anymore. Uh, What happened to value? Value is a passing thing that is ephemeral and um, uh, a human... uh, how you say, um, um, construct, thank you. A human construct. There is no real value um, in any overarching sense, any real enduring you know, meaning to life. You can make meaning, but it, you know, that's about it as far as it goes. And the implications of, of this go, go further. Um, uh, to, to, to say that... Um, for example, to say that um, to say that I'm dead is not very logical. I'm dead. This is not reasonable. For a living person to say I'm dead, we can't take them seriously. And to say that consciousness is not uh, causal, that it's reducible to matter, that it's uh, uh, is is similarly un- un- unreasonable. Uh, it's not primary because obviously it requires consciousness to to say that consciousness is is matter to dismiss consciousness to 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 to, to the attempt to reduce consciousness to matter requires consciousness so it's very circular <laughs> to try to understand consciousness is a very very circular affair hmm? um, and the reason is because it's not really definable there's nothing that compares to it in the world. We define things by comparing it to other things. And there's nothing like 
experience in matter. Hmm? So, we've talked about these things at some length over numerous uh, numerous discussions. Um, but my point is this. These are the two questions. You, you, which one you, do you struggle more with, I think, is the question. Do you struggle more with the idea that, well, if consciousness were supernatural, why can't we measure it? Is that more pressing to you, or is is it more pressing to you to think that uh, if consciousness is... Um, reducible to matter. Hmm? Well, why can't we reduce it? <laughs> why can't we show it? And, and what are the implications of that? And how, 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 that is, uh, it, it, how much that goes against the way we live our very lives from day to day and so on and so forth. Uh, we live as if we, you know, we, we, we consciously will something and then we, we carry it out and so forth. Um, such actions that consciousness has a causal role and it's primary and so forth. This is it's very con- counterintuitive, um, and I want to say really it's uh, it's it's, it's illogical as illogical as saying I am dead to say that consciousness is is um, reducible to matter. Hmm? It goes against them I mean, to say the very way we live our lives. It doesn't. It means. That you, if you say that, you will always be saying, talking in a way that you cannot walk. You cannot walk the talk. That's why Susan Blackmore, who's a famous writer on consciousness and thinker and so forth, said in, a, in, a, in a, uh, one of her books on consciousness that 90% of the people are dualists. Means 90% of the people think that there's a difference between consciousness and matter, whether they think it out in detail and so forth, like we discuss here is another thing, but that 90% of the people live their lives and think like that. Hmm? And she counted herself amongst the 10% of the people who who, who think otherwise. Hmm? She thinks that's an illusion. My reply was, Susan, 100% of the people are dualists. <laughs> because what, as they say, action speaks louder than precept. Your walk is louder than your talk. And you also act as if <laughs> it's unavoidable, that consciousness is primary and so forth. So this is very contradictory, very um, um, uh, um, counterintuitive. And so forth. so which, which one of these problems troubles you more? I think well, at least 90% of the people <laughs> would be troubled um, more by the idea that consciousness was matter and uh, then the consciousness is immeasurable. I mean, the very idea that it's not matter means that it's immeasurable. It's the measuring instrument. Hmm? How does a ruler measure a ruler? Hmm? Consciousness is the ruler. <laughs> it's, the, it's the instrument. It's the instrument of measurement. It, it places value and so forth. So how does it... Measure itself. The fact that it's so circular to talk about it and it's so abstract, however, doesn't make it any less tangible. This is my point. It makes it that much more tangible, that much more meaningful. It it, it starts to t- speak to us about the fact its intangibility, if you will, or in our it, it, it's 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 uh, it's uh, inability to be de- described. Hmm? That's why the Upanishads 
Not this one, but others are fond of saying, neti, neti, about this. You can't talk, you can't say anything about it. What can you say about it? It is, but what can you say about it? It's not this, it's not that. It's not like anything. Hmm? But this doesn't make it more ephemeral than the material forms that we've identified with. It makes it more substantial. It makes it irreducible to matter. Suddenly we have something irreducible to matter. That's very extraordinary. That means we have a supernatural something hmm? called consciousness, called experiential uh, existence, an an experiencer. Hmm? And of course matter conforms to certain laws. Like time and space, it's within the confines of time and space. This would mean that consciousness is something that's beyond time and space. That means, well, it's eternal. It has no beginning. If it's beyond time, it's anadi. It has no beginning. And anadi nidanam, it has no end either. So that's substantial. That's extraordinary. And this... I want to say, uh, we're talking about consciousness, we're talking about something that is much more substantial, such much more uh, tangible uh, than the forms that we're identified with that are are so fleeting, in transformation from beginning to end. Hmm? And like I say, there are no hard bodies out there. I mean, it's just a perception and how all that works. It's a a long explanation, but... um, We've grown to think in a certain way that the material forms are very tangible and consciousness is something, well, you don't even talk about it, it was thought in the scientific community for years, or it's something intangible, or let's, you know, it looks like it's something, but let's try to reduce it to matter and uh, so we don't have to matter about it, so it doesn't matter anymore. It's perplexing, it's troubling, it's all where the why questions come from. Why? And... Uh, it's what gives uh, uh, humans a headache. We think it might be easier just to be just to be an animal, a quadruped. You know, uh, uh, we wouldn't have to think about all these existential issues. So consciousness is about existence. Hmm? It's sought. It is sought. It is real. It is enduring. It has no beginning. It has no end. Hmm? That it might have a shape. That's not unreasonable. It gives shape to things. You follow me? It is giving shape to all the forms that we experience. Giving, giving shape, giving meaning to them. How, how powerful is it? How substantial is it? Hmm? What's the car without the driver, right? Hmm? Consciousness reposing itself on matter... Consciousness is the life. It animates matter. Matter takes on a life as a result of consciousness lending itself to it. So it's so substantial. And it gives shape to things in this world as much as there are shapes. It's, it's uh, instigating, if you will, a transformation, the, the transformation that matter is uh, undergoing. So given that uh, Upanishadic explanation, sat, hmm, uh, we, we can start to perhaps think about a form of sat. What would that be? Consciousness reposed on itself. And the idea here is Satchitananda Rupaya. 
a form of concentrated sat, concentrated chit. Chit means here, it means knowledge, it means the ability to, um, uh, to illuminate oneself, to intelligibility, to, to uh, make oneself known. To, uh, it has the, uh, chit is the, the, the ability to, to illuminate oneself. It doesn't require some other instrument to illuminate it. It is self-illuminating. Hmm? Self-revealing. So some independence is there. Sat, chit, and ananda. Hmm. If you think that ananda has no form, no shape. Oh. No. Ananda, of course, means love. Hmm. Hmm. Love love gives shape to things also, doesn't it? Hmm. Love gives shape to things. It it, 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 it it gives us a perspective how to look at things and and, uh, uh, and so forth. So, sat-chit-ananda, rupa, is a form of, of these things. Concentrated sat-chit-ananda. It means there's unconcentrated sat-chit-ananda. Hmm? What we call Brahman. Hmm? Krishna's concentrated form of that. Hmm? Taking a shape. His shape is sometimes, his form is sometimes called formless in some of the Upanishads for the purpose of differentiating it from the forms that we're accustomed to here today that in some ways have a likeness in terms of how Krishna is depicted, but looking closely, they're very different. Again, he doesn't undergo transformation. When we undergo transformation from childhood to youth, old age, we find that Krishna has no old age. Hmm? But we say, but he, he goes through the childhood. We're here to celebrate his childhood, his birth. <laughs> birth is a transformation. Then from his childhood, he goes to his, his um, or from his, how would we call it? Um, yeah, what would we, how would we translate it? From his, from his, uh, infancy, I suppose, uh, you know, to his childhood, to his uh, adolescence. So, komaram, yuvanam, or komaram, poganda, and kaishor. He goes through these transformations, it would appear, in birth. So, what are you talking about? Hmm? Um, no. <clears throat> what are these transformations? These transformations that is described here. Satchiran Rupaya Krishna Krishna Krishnaya Klishta Karane Aklishta Karane. Here Shruti with great pleasure, Shruti Devi, the goddess of the of the Upanishads, introduces the a primary subject of the book. It's called Gopaltapani. Gopal Tapani. What does Tapani mean? We had a little explanation of Tapani. Hmm? Tapani is swaha. Hmm? Tapani is sacrifice from where love is born. Hmm? Sacrifice is the womb from which love is born. Akrishtakarine. Hmm? It means his every act is wonderful. Hmm? We're talking about his acts. This movement from 
from infancy to youth to childhood to adolescence and so forth. This is all orchestrated by his Shakti. In this text of this Upanishad, we are introduced to Gopal and Tapani, the means to know Gopal. And in the text, the Shruti name of Sri Radhika is brought out prominently, Gandharvika, Gandharvi. So this Tapani means Gandharvi also. It means by which he by which he will be known comprehensively, by which, in other words, he'll be known in terms of the wonderful acts that he performs. If we know a person, um, you know, we know them largely by the acts they perform. Oh, I know him, he's the president. He does such and such and such and such. I know Swami, he's an author. So we're defining him by things that he does, by his power, his shakti, or her, her shakti, her energy. Hmm? It's hard to separate the person from their energy, from what they do, although there is a distinction at the same time. Hmm? This is beda bed. Achintya beda bed, the metaphysical kind of name, if you will, uh, for the uh, philosophical, um, metaphysical uh, ground on which the Gaudiya Vaishnavism uh, moves about. Hmm? Our tradition uh, dances on, on this ground. Hmm? So there is the Shakti, the, pow- the, the, the source, the energetic source, and then the energy. Fire has heat and light. That's its energy. You cannot separate the heat and light from the fire. You never see fire without heat and light, but still we can... We can stand in the heat. We can't stand in the fire. Hmm? We can stand in the light, but not in the fire. Hmm? So that energy. We, we, how can we approach Krishna? Hmm, by his shakti. Hmm? Oh, she is the generosity hmm? personified. She is Udarani. Hmm? She is the queen of generosity. She is the, the compassionate nature of Krishna. Hmm? And he is moving doing the wonderful acts that he does under her influence. Hmm? She is the, the, the deity presiding over the surup shakti, the internal uh, shakti. We say there's uh, three primary or, or principal, let's say, shaktis of, of Bhagwan. Hmm? His internal, Prabhupada used these words, marginal and external. External means the maya shakti. That is one with him and different from him, but it's more different from him than one with him. It's inert. Matter is inert. It has no inherent uh, happiness in it. Uh, it's asat. It's achit. It's nirananda. Then we have the jiva, shakti, or the marginal energy. and has a little satchitananda, atomic satchitananda. Hmm? It's sat, it's, it's chit, it's ananda, is, is kind of like, let's use the same example, kind of like heat and compared to the light, or it's like the ray of the sun compared to the sun. Hmm? And then we have the internal energy. Hmm? Internal energy, if Krishna is the sun, let's say, Maya is the shadow, the jiva is the ray that could come under the influence of a cloud, Mm-hmm. that is also the maya, if you will, or the shadow that's produced by the sun. 
And then you have the sun itself. This is Krishna. But what's going on in the sun? That's of interest to us. And a solar flare comes out. There's an avatar. An explosion in the sun. Nuclear, nuclear, I mean, huge nuclear explosions are going on in there of ecstasy, of experiencing itself and so forth. And the sun seems to be dancing across the sky, exploding. And, and nowadays, just about to put out all our satellites and we'll have nothing to do but hear and chant about Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> no more distractions. So the, the, the inner life of the sun, this is the internal shakti, governing the inner life of Krishna causing him to explode in different ways of uh, different emotional expressions of himself, descend into the world or expand within his his domain, if you will, uh, for for the sake of Leela, divine play. Hmm? And and the Srup Shakti is orchestrating all this. So while the Maya Shakti is like Krishna, one with Krishna and different, she's more different. The Jeev Shakti, our self, the marginal energy is like and different, and the Sarup Shakti, the internal energy, is more like, more one than different. Hmm? Radha, Krishna, Pranay, Vikriti, Ladini, Shakti, Rasma, they're one. Hmm? Two bodies, one soul, sometimes it's said. Mahabhav, what is it? Hmm? Rasaraj, Duyek, Rup. Mahabhav, Rasaraj. Mahabhav, the highest love, and Rasaraj, the, 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 the highest object of love, the king of love. The love, the highest love, and the king of the love. Hmm? Rasaraj, Mahabhav, Dui, Ekurup. Two in one form. Hmm? This is Sri Chaitanya. They've come together in one form. Hmm? And And the result is an outreach to us. So this is the wonderful aspect of Krishna, by which he does wonderful activities. The first of which will come to our mind, it's wonderful that he makes this available to us. We think, that's the most wonderful thing. <laughs> a little self-centered, that's all right. We have to start somewhere. In time we find out, oh, it's just, he's got all kinds of things going on <laughs> that he does that are wonderful. And of course, he makes them available to us, especially in his avatars, Sri Chaitanya. Who's of course non-different than himself. This is a this is a beautiful point. Gaur Lila is is but the answer to the failure of Krishna Lila. Where Krishna Lila fails, this is where Gaur Lila comes to save the whole drama. Mm-hmm. This is a very nice nice point to be played out perhaps in another uh, another discussion. But Akhlishtakarene Krishna Akhlishtakarene. So. He's such an Andarupaya, he's wonderful. In that sense, we talked about, that's pretty extraordinary, but now he's doing extraordinary things. That means, he was sat means also he was all-pervading. Hmm? This is another meaning. Hmm? He was the master of time, who's all-pervading, who's not, again, under the influence of time and space. So if you're not under the influence of time and space, there's a, you're all-pervading. The jiva is also all-pervading by way of being attached to, to Krishna, who's all-pervading. But anyway, he's all-pervading. Now, we, now we're hearing something else. Hmm? He who is all-pervading performs wonderful acts. This is the power of the Sarup Shakti, the power of Radhika, of Gandharvika. That she can make 
He who is everywhere, move. As I've many times said, if you're everywhere, how can you move? That's impossible. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> you're already everywhere. How can you move? Where are you going to go? <laughs> uh, yeah. Wherever you go, that's where you are, they say. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So, but he's moving. Hmm? This is what is meant by Klishtakarini, wonderful acts and pastimes. He's moving. And this movement is also this apparent transformation that the word sat, describing his rupa, his form, hmm, told us he didn't undergo. He doesn't undergo transformations like we do from birth and childhood and youth. So what are these transformations, apparent transformations then? Why are they not transformations? Why does his wonderful activities not contradict the idea that he sought? Hmm? Because these, this is the whole point, they are a result of, they are, they are, they are, they are conducted under the influence of his swarup shakti. This means under the influence of love, bhakti, bhakti proper, bhava, hmm? prema, under this influence, this change is taking place. So this means what? This is a subjective experience of different devotees who love him in vatsalya, like Jashoda, Devaki, who, uh, who, whose, whose joy we are celebrating, the lila in a sense, he takes birth out of their joy, out of their love for him. It is said in Golok, there's no birth. Hmm? Kavri Karnapur is reasoned, what kind of life is that? What kind of motherhood are you going to have if your child never took birth? If you could never experience his birth? Hmm? What kind of Vatsalya Rasa is that? Hmm? Very limited. Therefore, he said, therefore the Leela is descending on earth. Hmm? And there's a birth that Mother Yashoda could actually give birth to her son. Hmm? This is very extraordinary. He who is everywhere, as we said, <laughs> who is Satchitananda Rupaya, is going to take birth. Under what influence then? What must be that influence? If we're really thoughtful, we'll be drawn to, what is that influence? Hmm? This is the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We're talking about Krishna, but when we really talk about Krishna, we find ourselves starting to talk about Krishna's Sarup Shakti, which means all the different manifestations of love, love and parental love, fraternal love, romantic love for Krishna, as it takes these different shapes and so forth. Hmm. This is more important. This is what it's all about. Krishna starts to take a little bit of a back seat, so to speak. If you want to see Krishna, you have to love Krishna. The goal is to love Krishna. Hmm. Not, not Krishna, but to love Krishna. Of course, in loving Krishna, that's how we, where we find Krishna. Hmm? And this, this love, of course, is a very well-reasoned love. This love under the influence of Sarup Shakti is not the shadow of love that's really attachment that we experience in this world. But mm, no, it's, 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 it's deep. It's arising out of sacrifice, as I said, and, and deep. Hmm? Swaha means deep here. Tapani. This is Bhajay. What is it? Bhajay. Sweta dwipam tamaham golokam mitiyam. Not too many people know about this place, that possibility. 
Not many people go there. You're all going there. Hmm? And I'm taking you. Hmm? <laughs> We're all going together. <laughs> I'm not going if you're not going. So <laughs> That's bhakti, you see. <laughs> oh, the love of the devotee. Hmm? The devotee is, 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 is ruling. Bhakti is ruling. Jai Radhe, Jai Gandharvika, Govindadi. Hmm? So this is where we, this is where our thinking will go. Hmm? These transformations, the childhood, this is a particular heart of a particular shape of love. And Krishna's form is taking shape corresponding with that love. Should we think that love of, that the love of, you know what I've said before, people don't believe in God. Then you ask him, do you believe in love of God? Hmm? Let's show you an example. Let me show you the example of Sri Chaitanya. He loved God. Hmm? Can you not believe in this? Look at it. <laughs> he's falling on the ground. By chanting the name of Krishna, he's falling on the ground and the tears are pouring out of his eyes, bathing everyone in his presence. Hmm? Erupting in ecstasy. How can you not believe in that? They'd be interested in that. And then they try to call it epilepsy. And as I said, well, you know, it's not contagious epilepsy. But this, is, we find it is contagious. Hmm? Compelling. It's, uh, what is it? We, well, you can say, you know, I don't believe it's love of God. It's something. There's something going on in the brain. There's something wrong with them, you know. <laughs> For sure. We should have some, that disease. We should be so diseased. Hmm? Hmm? Love wants to distribute itself, but not everybody can appreciate, so it also hides itself. Therefore, Prem on the outside looks a little intimidating. He's falling on the ground, he's crying. Who wants to be like that? But hmm? inside is full of ananda. Hmm? And material life is just the opposite. Looks happy on the outside, but inside everyone's crying. Hmm? Everyone's crying. Everyone has some fear. Hmm? It's all pervading fear, some anxiousness. Hmm? And we fake it. <laughs> you just fake it. Of course, we told, don't fake it. Lay on the couch. You know, let's be real and so forth. But, but it's it's fake. <laughs> I mean, you can get better at it, but... <laughs> but, hmm? This Prem, is character, Prem, Adbuta Charit, the wonderful character, Prem. Ah, on the inside, it's full of Anandam. Hmm? What is that Anandam? Hmm? He wants to say to us, this Anandam is very different than what you think is Ananda in the world. What you think is the source of joy and love and pleasure, it's very different. Look, it looks very different. He's falling on the ground and crying. Hmm? wailing and so forth. Hmm? A little frightening almost. Hmm? So we may not believe in God, but it's hard not to believe in love of God if we bring forth some examples. And then we start bringing examples from different traditions cross-culturally of people, mystics, who have s- enough similarity in their experience of love of God that we have to think, hmm, we need to take this a little bit seriously. This is something very extraordinary. Hmm? At least it might be the, the height of human possibilities. What, are they, what do we want as human beings? We want, we, I mean, it would, be, it would be an easy sell to say that we were all living to, to love. We really want peace in the world and love of everyone. <laughs> well, 
you know, you can try as much as you want to love everyone. Hmm? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to love anyone. Would speak of everyone. Hmm? We love ourselves. That's our first mistake. That's where we, you know, erred in the beginning. Hmm? And then we want to see from our perspective and call that love and so forth. But to love everyone, everyone and everything. Hmm? I mean, that's what we want. But you think, well, I forget that. That's impossible. Is it impossible? The mystics say it's not impossible. Hmm? And this is what they find. Daniel Dennett, a philosopher, an atheist, well-known, asked the question, you know, you hear about these guys, they go and they meditate, you know, sit in the cave for 20 years or something like that, you know, and I mean, it's interesting, I've got to admit, it's interesting, but what do, you, what do we get out of that? What is it, you know, I mean, practically, what's the practical thing that, that comes from that that could help us in our lives? Help me, I don't, I don't get it. Hmm? This was his, one of his questions I heard not long. Of course, the answer is, Dan, they get compassion that knows no bounds. Hmm? They actually can love everybody. Of course, they keep a distance from everybody, too, so out in those <laughs> caves. No, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, they actually, they, uh, this is described in the Gita, Krishna says, what? That the perfection of yoga... He's talking about astanga yoga, mixed with bhakti. He says, the perfection of this yoga is to see, experience the sufferings of others as if they are my one, one, one's own. Hmm? Bill Clinton, uh, President Clinton, when he went to Africa during his presidency some years ago, South Africa, had a lecture on AIDS, and he quoted this verse from the Gita, sixth chapter that I'm citing. You can try to love everybody with AIDS, you know, but then you've got to love the homophobes, too. Hmm? The homos and the homophobes, or, you know, <laughs> it's hard. Huh? So you, the, the idea is you have to go to a different, a different plane altogether. Hmm? You have to go where everyone, where, where we all come from, where we all really reside, where we're all really seated on the ground of being. Hmm? Consciousness, to explore the subjective reality, that most tangible thing that we are talking about, we are talking about, hmm? that we are. You are that. Hmm? Consciousness, go there. Then what What do you have to argue with anybody about? Hmm? Hmm? You identify on this level. This is, this, this is a, such a huge... I mean, even, even from a limited... If you want to say, well, I don't know if I can attach all kinds of metaphysical projections as to what the experience of the love of God is, but... You'd have to admit, if you were objective, it's pretty extraordinary. These people, like, they arrived at something that everybody says, arguably, they want. Hmm? Whether it transcends the biological death, that I don't know, one might say. But the point here is that it's already, it's already died a million times more painful death, huh? more estranging, you know, uh, uh, itself from... from from matter than, than death, a biological death could estrange one. I mean, a, the ego death that's involved in this is, is, makes the biological death look like a small thing. We don't deny the biological death. We said already, it's supernatural. Biological death will go on. Hmm? But you have to die to identify with the biological organism as your, as your be-all and end-all self. Hmm? 
That's difficult. If I was to say to you, okay, listen, I'll tell you what. Take, I'm going to take away your parents, take away your kids, take away your husband, take away your job, take away your house. And you, you, you know, but at a certain point you say, well, I'm not, there's nothing left here. I've died. This is what Arjuna is saying in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, uh, you know, he says, Krishna to Arjuna, Krishna says to Arjuna, bring my chariot up between the two armies to see who's fighting here. Krishna says, oh, let's go. Yeah. And whoa. Stops. Right in front of Bhishma and Drona, the, who epitomize the, 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 the very identity of Arjuna. Bhishma uh, uh, is is the represents the the, the, the seminal hmm, or well the family the family line hmm? and uh, that side of his identity then Duryodhana uh, uh, Drona excuse me excuse me Dronacharya represents his whole um, occupational self his identity as an archer as a warrior this is his guru of archery and so forth. And Krishna says, they're on the other side, you've you got to kill them. He drives up, stops, and says, whoa. And then Arjuna goes, whoa, he's right. <laughs> whoa is me. Well, if I kill these people, what's left of me? That's me. Hmm? Hmm? I am a student of Drona. I am the grandson of, of, of the Bhishma. You know, I am, uh, that's, take all these things away. What's left of me? Let the biological organism, you know, go on, huh? but it doesn't have a real, I want to say, esoteric heart to beat anymore. Hmm? What's the value of that? I might as well be dead. Hmm? So this ego death is a huge thing, and we see they undergo that. They undergo that. This is extraordinary. And then we say, yes, yeah, a biological death. That, is, that will go on. That's a small thing. But we've already de- described consciousness as being supernatural. It has no beginning. It has no end. They've entered into that realm. Hmm? So such people bring a huge contribution to the society, that, 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 that human society, that we th- what we think you know, would be the best thing. Of course, it'll never happen. Hmm? If you could have, we could have universal love. And it, it won't happen for everybody, but it could happen for you. And it's a grassroots roots kind of a movement, you know. It starts with you, you know. Be the change that you uh, want to see in others, something like that. Hmm? And this is very possible. This is very possible by bhakti, by the power of bhakti, hmm? by the power of the surup shakti. What is, it has the power to make Krishna move, as I said. Hmm? To the, the, he was, has no transformation, to undergo transformations. This is pranai. Hmm? Radha Krishna Pranai. It means a transformation. Hmm? But it's a, it's, it's a different kind of, it's, it's, it's a spiritual transformation. It's a transformation, it's a variety within the unity of Brahman that doesn't compromise its unity, but ornaments it. This is very extraordinary. Therefore, Akhlishtakarine, his acts are wonderful. Hmm? More wonderful than him are his acts. And the transformations that he undergoes, we see him, he took birth from Mother Yashoda. He took birth on earth. Hmm? And more so for her than Devaki, his other mother. Oh, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a extraordinary story, and we'll hear some of that, of course, 
hopefully the whole whole story tomorrow. This is a super wonderful Akhlishtakarine, this is his Swarup Shakti. And his childhood, his childhood then, for all of his friends, Sakyabhava, Sakyarasa, and he takes a shape. That love gives a shape to him. And Madhurasa, romantic love, is Kishorila, gives a shape, his adolescence, makes him turn into an adolescent, makes Brahman the oldest turn into an adolescent, and stay that way. Hmm? Eternally as a Kishore. Hmm? So this is, uh, this is, what is meant here? Akhlishtakarine and be, namo vedanta vedaya. Vedaya, namo vedanta vedaya. She says, Shruti says, and he can be known about in the Veda. Hmm? In the Vedanta, in this part of the Veda, primarily he could be found. The Anta means the end, the conclusion. Hmm? What it all comes to, all that big body of knowledge there, the Veda. Namo Vedanta Vedaya. Krishna says in the Gita, Sarva Sachaham Vedisane Vishto Matasmita Gyanam Apohanam Cha. It's very nice, he says. Previously to that, he said, I am the fire of the digestion in the person. Hmm? Uh, I'm the light in the moon and the sun. I'm the fire in the digestion inside of you also. Hmm? And, uh, um, uh, no, one of the verse I just quoted. Uh, he says, and uh, from me, I'm in, in everybody. I'm in everybody's heart. And I give remembrance and I bring about forgetfulness. This is the buddhi. His buddhi means he's... Uh, the, 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 it's, we translate it intelligence, but doesn't quite give the full idea of the buddhi. Buddhi, he means uh, that uh, he, he manifests as Buddhi by which we can put things together. Hmm? The experiences that we have, we can put them together and make something out of them and fully experience them. Hmm? And then he says, By which you can know ordinary things, remember and forget ordinary things. Hmm? I'm the cause of that. I'm the Buddhi. And then Buddhi has another side, Buddhisakshine, and it comes here. Hmm? He says, I am the knower of the Vedas. By the Vedas I am to be known. I am the author of Vedanta. It comes actually from me, that revelation of Vyas. I am behind his pen. Hmm? So Shruti Devi is, is, is echoing this. That was, that's found in Gita, Gita Upanishad. Hmm? He says it himself there. Now she's saying the same thing. He is that which is to be known by the Vedanta. He is the subject of the Vedanta. Hmm? The Vedanta means, again, the concordance of all these Upanishadic uh, works of revelation, making sense out of them, showing what they all uh, conclusively saying, and how they're all in this pointing in the same direction, either indirectly or directly, all coming to the same conclusion. Hmm? 
Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada made a nice statement in his Namastakam about Krishna, who's none different than his name. The last sutra of the Vedanta is, what is it? It's Anabritihi Shabdat, Anabritihi Shabdat, twice. Anabriti Shabdat. It means no return because of sound. No return because of sound. This is the code. Hmm? So we had to decipher the code. No return because of sound. The sound means the Upanishads. That's the Shruti, which is heard. That's the sound. Sound of existence. And it, it, it's taking shape in the heart of Parishian, and he's, he's recording that. Ayin, Shring, Hum, Kling, the mantra that follows and so forth. All these things. So he says, because of the sound, because the means because the Upanishads say so, hmm? and this is where we can find definitive uh, knowledge, conclusive knowledge in terms of knowledge that will make us perfectly happy from from this from revelation. And as I've often said, in order to be to get perfect knowledge, you need a perfect method. Revelation is the perfect method because perfection reveals itself to imperfection. Hmm? That's perfect. That's pretty comprehensive. If the finite wants to know the infinite, well, only if the infinite wants it to know is it possible. Hmm? So this idea of revelation. So he says, the revelation, the sound, says it. Going there, the place we're talking about, the ideal we're talking about, hmm, there's no return. Anavrti shabdat, anavrti shabdat. But in our tradition also, we can take it a little further. Hmm? Because of the sound, there's no return. And what is the primary sound in all the sacred texts, and all the Upanishads? Rupa Goswami, as I said, wrote a nice verse in his Namastakam, his eight prayers glorifying the name. He said, Nikila Shruti Moliratna. What is it? Nikila Shruti. He says, in all these Shrutis, there are prominent sounds like Tattvamasi, Aham Brahmasmi. Hmm? He said, and these are all like gems that have light hmm? in, a, in, a, in effulgence. And these gems of the Upanishad, they're all shining light on one sound made of two syllables. Hmm? Krishna. This is his Nam Astakam. It's the eight prayers glorifying the name. He says, this one sound in the scripture, if you put these two syllables together, Krishna, Krishna. Hmm? Rupa Goswami said in another place, I cannot deal with it. How much nectar there is in these two syllables. I cannot deal with that. I'm, I'm troubled. When, this, when these two syllables dance in the courtyard of my heart, I need more ears. I need more tongues to take advantage of this. I need help. 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 This is the guru. Help. Help. Listen to me. I'm troubled by these two, these two syllables. I need, can lend me your ears. Lend me your tongue. You say it. You say it. You hear it. Huh? Like this. Wait, wait, wait. How can we get to the bottom of this with two, two ears only and one tongue? Hmm? No. We need millions of tongues, he said. Millions of ears to try to take advantage of these two syllables. Krishna. The word is in the verse here. Krishna. Krishna. Krish means, it means existence. And na means liberty. Interestingly enough, na means bliss and niverty. Niverty means it's a negative. Hmm? The niverty marg, 
means the path of giving up things. That's the path to bliss. Bliss is not found in things. Hmm? Thing, the best things in life are not things, as we say. Hmm? To give up the things, let go of the things. This is a start to go in the direction of the bliss that you are and the bliss that you could experience then in relation to Bhagwan by connecting with him and in bhakti, oh, that is that is that is extraordinary. That's again, that's what makes him move. Hmm? So Krishna, but in Brahma Samhita commentary, Shri Goswami commenting on the word Krishna, drawing upon this etymological meaning and so forth, he he makes the case for the idea that Krishna does not just mean blissful existence. It means a Krishna. It means bliss hmm? and existence, but a kind of existence that that rules by bliss. Hmm? It rules by bliss. It commands by bliss, by affection. It rules by love. Hmm? Bliss means love. Hmm? Ex- an existence that is ruled by love, rules by love. We've already described Krishna is ruled by love. That's what's making him move. Hmm? So as far as his being the ruler... He will rule by love. When we look at him from that perspective, from one perspective, he's being ruled by bhakti, by love. From another perspective, before we look closely at him and we see, oh, he's shakti. You look closely at Krishna, you see, oh, there's somebody else there. Who could that be? That's Radha. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, and then we have to, we, have to, we talked about that to some extent. But when we look, that there he's ruled by love. We look at the other side. Krishna's the god. He's Satchitananda Rupaya. He's uh, Ishvara Parama. Hmm? Hmm? Means he's ruling, but he's ruling by love. That's why this name Gopal in the Upanishad, I mentioned this earlier, is so appropriate. Because the more that one rules by love and affection, the less one appears to be a ruler. Hmm? If you rule by physical force, it's pretty clear you, you know, this guy's on a trip. <laughs> you know, he's on a control trip here. Or then, you know, you get the, the guys who you know, mentally try to control people, manipulate people, and, uh, and, and it's very apparent. Hmm? It's less apparent than somebody that's there with a, you know, with a lining you up, you know, and with a gun and controlling you physically. By mental power, we make control more comprehensively. Hmm? Just like the, the blue-collar crime is not as bad as the white-collar crime. Hmm? Um, so to control people and manipulate people by mind, by, by mental power, by intellectual power, or by physical power, as we go higher on the ladder, if you will, the controlling becomes more comprehensive, and the fact that they are a controller is less apparent. When we come to love, for example, in, in, so in, in, in Vedanta, we'll, there's the Brahma, He's controlling, he's got the four heads. That's how he's controlling, by his four heads. It doesn't mean he's real smart, but it means when you manage, you've got to have like four heads. You've got to think about things and different sides. When you really think, you only need one head. Hmm? Yeah. Again, and use that to go inside. So from Brahma, he's typically you know, the controlling by karma, by action. Hmm? Shiva's controlling by, hmm, by jnan by knowledge. Hmm? He's not managing anything. He's managing to... That's the best management. Best management is you manage yourself out of a job. Hmm? So, Shiva's just sitting in meditation there. He's managed to get that far. Hmm? 
to recognize that, oh, it's not worth managing the whole thing. <laughs> That's troublesome. But now we go to Narayan in Vaikuntham, hmm? the four-armed Narayan, God, Bhagwan. Hmm? There he's ruling by love, but it's dutiful love. Hmm? He's being loved because he should be loved because he's God. Om Narayana. He should be loved. So, he is ruling by love, but he's still apparently a ruler. I mean, he's very affectionate, nonetheless, with all of his, his devotees. He considers them one with him, non-different from him. Hmm? You shouldn't underestimate the, the power of the love of Baikuntha, of, 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 of love and awe and reverence. It's extraordinary. Hmm? Therefore, it's called Baikuntha, Adhoksaja. Completely different. Hmm? It's A-ha. It is the beginning and the end of the alphabet. Adhoksaja. It's beyond words. It's beyond speech. Completely transcendental. It's, and it's, it's agape, love of God. Hmm? Then we go to, go to Vrindavan, the Mahavaikuntam, the Golokam, Gokul, means cowshed. We've gone to a cowshed. What? Uh, and in there, that, that, that's where Krishna's getting his name, in the cowshed. And he will be named Krishna, the priest said, Gargacharya. Hmm? Hidden was a secret meeting inside a cowshed. I mean, who knew about that? It's it on the... It's such a, a seemingly insignificant, hidden event and so forth. Then we look at that Gokul, that, that place. Chintamani prakrasatmasu kalpabikshalakshabhiteshu surabhirabhibhalayantham shriyakanta kanta paramapurusha kalpatarabho jumabhumis chintamani ganamayi toyamamritam There all the land is, is, is touchstone. It turns iron into gold, if you touch it. The, the, the cows, from their udders, you can milk out anything you want. The trees produce, fulfill everyone's desire with their fruits, whatever kind of thing you want, whatever kind of fruit you want from the tree, even a, a non-fruit fruit. I mean, fruit means the fruit you know, of one's work. Whatever you want, you can get there. And the people there, they don't want anything, except... Uh, to love Krishna, that's all. There it said, Kataganam Natyam Gamanam Apivam The walking is all dancing, the talking is all singing. And as you know, Jiva Goswami said, What must be the talk, the dancing then? What must be the singing there? What kind of place is that? Hmm? It's saturated with love. They aren't loving Krishna because he's God. Hmm? They don't, they don't even know that he's God, and he doesn't know it either. Hmm? This kind of love. This is the supreme ruler. Hmm? You understand? He, the more love is the controlling instrument, the instrument by which we control, the less the controller looks like a controller. Hmm? If you love someone, then, you know, they, <laughs> they're not lording it over you or anything. They're just loving you. Then you're just there, doing whatever. They, they, they want to make their desires your desires. This is Golok. This is Gokul. This is Gopal. This is Krishna. Hmm? He is Ishwar Parama. Hmm? He is, he is 
In a few verses, Upanishad will say, Who is the best avatar? Krishna Paramadaivatam. Brahma is explaining. And Krishna, he is the Paramadaivata. He is Swayam Bhagavan. He is Krishna's too. Bhagavan Swayam. And this we know from the Vedanta, she says, and Gurave, Buddhisakshine. He is known by the Vedanta. And he is the Buddhi Sakshine. He, he, it is he within us that gives us the intelligence by which we can identify the Guru hmm, who come before us, which is our prospect coming before us, our heart's prospect, our hope coming before us, all that we could possibly be. It's not an artificial imposition. You're creating the Guru. <laughs> huh? What your ambition is. To, to, to come in and to refine that, to articulate it in a way that you could not articulate it yourself, but when it's articulated you feel like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I felt like that too. Hmm? This is the experience of the Guru. I feel like that, yes. I agree with that. that yeah, that, that's what I wanted to say. I mean, I couldn't say it, but yeah, you said it really good. Hmm? This means your own heart's prospect coming before you. Hmm? It's not an artificial imposition. And Krishna is, says, I am the witness inside, the Chaita Guru. I am the inside. And I give the, I, I give the intelligence by which you can understand. There she is. That's your Guru right there. Hmm? Go. That's your prospect. can be found there. And then you go and you listen and you go, you're right, that's right. I get some confirmation. That's not some forced thing. It said, one must have a guru. Sounds a bit ominous, but it means I must have a guru. I must have you as my guru. I must. Hmm? Therefore, Pujapachita Marsh like to say, oh, it's very troublesome. Hmm? The guru gives siksha. The sadhu gives siksha. He gives instruction. Hmm? And, the deci- and, the, and the people take the siksha, and then they say, now we've got the siksha. Now you must give us the diksha. We cannot go anywhere else. Hmm? You must give now. They're, they're captured by the siksha. The guru captures the student by the siksha, and the student then captures the guru by saying, "I, I have to take diksha from you, hmm? and nobody else. He, he's, what can he do? And he has to now. He has to regard the faith that he's created. Hmm? That faith that he or she has been instrumental in awakening. Suddenly he thinks, "Oh, good! Now I've created a problem." <laughs> Uh, now, now they want they want me to take you know I've got a minister to this all right so then this is this is love I, I must have a guru I mean I must have you as my guru this is the feeling it's not a lawful thing but a loveful thing hmm? most loveful in this world hmm? so in this way Shruti Devi has said a few nice things about Krishna the Param Bhagawan the Swayam Bhagawan hmm? in her uh, the introductory verse of Gopal Tapane. Are there any questions? Can you say briefly what is the failure of Krishna? <laughs> no, I don't know if we can say it briefly, but <laughs> no, we try. He's asked what, if I could say briefly, what is the failure of Krishna Leela that I referred to, the Gore Leela is the, is the um, solution to. Well, the, the failure is, is the three um, desires 
that Krishna experienced in his uh, in his leela that um, that being he was performing the leela to experience the full measure of love and he is you know the Rasaraj the king of love and so forth but he found that he, that Radha's experience of him hmm, his sweetness that she could more fully experience his sweetness that he could that he could hmm? what is it about his sweetness and then what is the, then then seeing that, that what her love can can draw with regard to that he wanted to know what is the what is the nature of her love the the, the mohima the glory and the nature of her love what is it like he he, he was pe- his his interest was piqued by this hmm? and um and so forth um uh the sweetness of her love, you know, the, 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 that she experiences, the sweetness of himself that she tastes, and the, the, the glory, the nature of her. He couldn't. He he here he was performing his leela, and on Earth means on location in human society where love is so so prominent and so forth, and and he found a measure of love there that that he he couldn't experience. He he couldn't take her position. He's Krishna. He cannot take the position of Radha, which which he surmised was necessary in order to fulfill his ambition. So in the midst of pursuing love, he found some blockage to that, given his position as the as the as the object of love. So he thought, only if I can take he's very smart, so if I could take the position of her as a shelter of that love, then I'd have that experience. How am I gonna do that? I'm Krishna here with my peacock feather, you know, and my coward friends and everything. Well, he's very thoughtful and very, very, you know, very resourceful fellow. So, the Gaur Leela came. Hmm? Right at the culmination of the Krishna Leela, at the culmination of the Krishna Leela in the Rasa, Rasa Leela, he realized this is a problem. Hmm? Hmm? The rest of the time he's trying to figure out what to do about that, I guess. Yeah, anyway, the Gorli Lila expands as a solution to the problem. That's the failure of Krishna Lila. It fails. Hmm? He needs something else. That's why we say, we say Gor has to be Krishna. He can't be anybody else. Hmm? Don't get confused. You offer your respect to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is Krishna standing there. Hmm? It's the same person. He's standing there. He wa- nobody wants to taste that love. Narayan doesn't think you know what was what is what what it, he doesn't even have ma- prema madhurya. He's not surrounded by that kind of love. No other avatar has that uh, experience of prema madhurya. They don't have that quality, if you will. Hmm? So when Krishna wants to experience the prema madhurya, this from the perspective of the devotee, the Appearance in the Leela in which he does so has to be Krishna and an extension of his own Leela. It's not another Leela. It's not another avatar. It's not another person. It's Krishna himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he's, like I've compared it to, it's like a reverse jacket. You, know, you put on a jacket and it's red on the outside. Let's say it's yellow on the outside with, let's say it's, let's say it's black on the outside. <laughs> Okay, with the yellow, yellow, thin yellow stripes. Okay, and then you reverse it out, and then on the inside, it's 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 golden yellow with little black stripes. Hmm? So this gorley is like that. It's like a reverse jacket. Hmm? 
and you look carefully, you see the black is there, the gold is there, they're just kind of turned around a little bit differently. And, and this way, Krishna masterfully has seen how to extend his leela in such a way that, it, that, that it's successful, hmm? that he could taste the full measure of love. This is the idea. that help? All right. What else? It is enjoyable sitting with all of you and discussing these things. These are the wee hours, but we should ask what time it is that uh, the rest of the program will not be slided. Ten after eight. Okay. So maybe uh, we can rest there. Something to dream about. And... Um, and you can consider it amongst yourselves. We'll meet again in the morning at 5. And then at 9, is it? we have the ceremony for the sannyas and diction initiation. And um, then uh, there'll be fasting tomorrow. There is some fruit set aside for some of you not accustomed to that. But fasting till midnight, it's quite an ordeal. And uh, But the, uh, the idea is to fill up with hearing about these topics, something like that. So they'll be chanting throughout the day and discussions. And and uh, then again in the evening, we'll, I'll give another formal talk like this, and probably a lot more people will come for that as well. So it should be a very exciting uh, Janmashtami. Shri Krishna Janmashtami Mahamotsabhatiti Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Brinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Jai